Hi, this is Rabbi Jeff Sachs of Atid and Web Yeshiva coming to you live from the Limud UK Conference, a gathering of 3,000 people from England and the continent and throughout the world uh, who come together every year for a week-long festival of learning. And I'm sitting with a Limud regular, a Limud star, Professor Deborah Lipstadt of Emory University in Atlanta, a very well-known, highly regarded scholar of the Holocaust. And uh, we're talking about some of her works, which, uh, which are probably well-known to our listeners. Uh, books like The Eichmann Trial, which was a fabulous uh, description 50 years after the trial of the impact that what it, what it meant to bring Eichmann to justice in Jerusalem and what it meant for Jews in Israel and Jews the world over uh, at the time that it happened. And I think it raised very serious questions for how we now, at a remove of 50 years uh, from the trial and more years than that from the Holocaust itself, uh, how we continue to wrestle with the impact of, of, uh, of the Eichmann trial. Uh, she's also the author of History on Trial, uh, which is an account of her, her, libel suit. of her libel suit here in England, uh, which is soon to be made into a, a Hollywood motion picture by the name of, uh, of Denial. And I wanted to talk with you, uh, Deborah, about, about your work and particularly about its implications for Jewish education. Day school educators who wrestle with teaching the Holocaust. It's a challenge. It always has been. It has to be. Uh, but as we move away in time from those events, uh, how should we be teaching the Holocaust? What role should we be playing in, in Jewish education uh, broadly defined? It's a very broad question, and it's one that's hard to answer in a, um, not off the cuff, because it's certainly something that I think about. Um, I think we have to find a balance, and that's one of the messages that, or one of the themes that I've been returning to in a number of my presentations here at Limud. Um, find the theme between what I like, what I like to call the oi and the joy. Um, I think it's very important for students to understand the history of the Holocaust, to understand what was done to the Jews, to understand that not so long ago, people are still alive, obviously, who experienced this, one out of every three Jews was killed, to understand the nature of anti-Semitism and how it persists, not in the same form as the Holocaust, but certainly, I don't have to belabor the point with your listeners, how it persists. At the same time, having said that, um, I sometimes worry, particularly for students who are getting a serious Jewish education in day schools, community high schools, and things like that, that there is a skewed emphasis on the oi part, on the suffering that we have faced, and not enough of an emphasis on the joy. Uh, again, I take anti-Semitism very seriously. I wouldn't have worked on it all these years if I didn't take it seriously. Um, but I think there's got to be a balance in, in building an identity that the identity can't be built on what others do to you, how others define you. The identity has to be built on who you are and what you are, despite what the others might want to do to you. So in the Eichmann trial, um, what I was really exploring was this seminal trial 
um, the capture of Adolf Eichmann, one of the chief operating officers of the Holocaust, not someone who thought it up, but someone who made it possible and helped carry it out and organize it. Um, and Israel, of course, uh, captures him in May of 1960. His trial begins in April of 61. Um, a judgment is rendered in uh, the spring of 62 when he is executed in Israel. Um, something will start in a minute. Um, in, in the Eichmann trial, I explored a little bit about the capture, but that was really an ancillary topic. I really focus on the trial itself and its significance. Some people, for many years, people would say nobody, survivors didn't talk about what happened to them till the trial. That's not true. They spoke and they spoke a lot. They spoke amongst themselves more, among, in the mishpacha. Um, but the world didn't listen the way it began to listen after the Eichmann trial. And I think that's very significant. And we got a sense of the um, a story, of the full story of the Holocaust in a way that hadn't been before. Uh, certainly the world reporters who were there, the way the trial was reported, it, it had a, a big significance. I think one of the biggest significances of the trial was the number of survivors who gave testimony. And the reports were, their testimony was recorded. It's the first trial ever to be televised, not live, but recorded and then televised. Um, and uh, suddenly the, the survivors didn't seem to be like, uh, uh, I'll use a term that was common, quote unquote, ghetto Jews, people who were inherently different and frightened. They were, as I, as I like to say, and as many commentators say, we would say in common parlance, contemporary parlance, uh, uh, geographically um, and chronologically challenged. They were in the wrong place at the wrong time and there was nothing that they could really do to stop it, especially when the world sort of sat back and, and the overwhelming power of the uh, German forces and their collaborators. Uh, but it, it gave a three-dimensional aspect to the survivors, particularly in Israel, but not only in Israel, that I think was very important. Um, and the idea of remembering and telling the story and people listening to the story, um, the, the idea of remembering and people listening and telling the story uh, was enhanced in significance as a result of the trial. So I think that's, uh, that's an extremely important piece. Um, the book has gotten a very, very positive reaction, a very strong reaction, of which I'm, I'm about which, of course, I'm very pleased. Um, and uh, I think it captures, it helps capture the moment. Um, and I'm glad that there's been such interest in it. Lahavdil, to go from trial to trial, in your own libel case uh, here in England, which uh, thankfully ended well. It ended well for you, it ended well for Jewish history, it ended well for for the study of history, for history as a, as a discipline. Um, you know, the question of that you, the task that you were called to, which you know, I assume was certainly uh, unexpected, certainly something you had never anticipated would happen in your life, in your, in your career, and which thankfully uh, not too many people have to face. But the question of fighting the fight for truth uh, is something that on one hand is of course so necessary on the other hand seems so absolutely ridiculous implausibly absurd, absurd that, uh, that 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 this should this should need to be stated 
Um, now, of course, none of us are, are, are called to the challenge that, uh, that you were, but each of us has to fight for the truth. And, uh, and again, to go back to the question of education, beyond the kind of sloganeering of bearing witness and all of those other things, what do you think a proper educational message could be, or how might it be crafted to convey this value more effectively in Jewish education? That's, that's a big question. I don't know that I can answer that. Certainly, you know, in the midst of this festival of learning and, and uh, after giving nine lectures, I'm a little bit spent, but in any case. Um, when I came back from the trial, I was asked to address the Emory graduation, so I spoke to 15,000 people on the Emory campus, and also to address the graduate students. And I said there were a number of lessons that I learned. Of course, this wasn't specifically Jews at all, or even primarily Jews. But one of the things I said is um, what this trial, among the things this trial taught me was the necessity of being ready. Um, that I used the analogy that if you're walking down the street and God forbid you see someone collapse with a heart attack, it's too late to say I need to go learn CPR. On the other hand, you may learn CPR and never use it at all. Um, I was lucky. I almost used the word blessed, and I know that probably makes other academics nervous, but um, uh, whatever. Um, to have gotten a first-rate Jewish education, um, to have had the chance to teach, to have the chance to um, study about what happened to the Jews, but also in other settings to teach about what Jews do, which is my personal passion. Um, to teach about Jewish subject, not Jewish object. Um, and when the moment came, and I knew I was being sued, and I, I had to mount a defense, um, I had access to people who supported me when we needed to put together a defense fund. I had access to top-notch lawyers. Um, I had people who believed in me. Um, but that was a result of a long time, a long process of, of work in the field, of getting to know people. You know, it wasn't like I was suddenly parachuted in from outer space and people said, this professor none of us know is, is being sued. Um, I think it's so important to be part of the community, to have that community has to know you and know who you are at the same time that you're doing your own work whatever that work may be whether it's in Jewish life outside of Jewish life um, and I you know I'm, I was I was speaking in a session it feels like five days five weeks ago it was probably two days ago um, where I was asked to pick favorite not favorite that's the wrong word but um, verses from the T Tanakh that spoke to me in a special way and um, I'm going to share the three of them, and maybe that'll, you know, what be a fitting thing for, for the for the audience of this podcast. The first one comes from Breshit, when uh, Hashem, when God tells Avraham, uh, He says, "How can I hide from Avraham what I'm about to do to Stone Barmara, um, because I have known him, because I have loved him, um, and." Uh, when Avram hears, 
the way I interpret it is he says, you know, when he says this, Khalila lecha, you know, which can only be translated as God forbid, so he's sort of saying to God, God forbid, I'm doing this by heart so I may not have it the Pasuk exactly right. Um, to kill, to, to, um, uh, kill Hamit, uh, a tzaddikim in Russia, a righteous with an evil person, Khalilalecha. And then he says in this almost stirring, you can almost hear it, Hashofeg kol haaretz lo yaseh mishpat. Shall the judge of all the earth not do justice? I happen to think it was at that moment that God knew he had picked the right partner for building the Jewish people and, and, and establishing the covenant, etc. Uh, because what, what Avraham was doing was calling God to account on God's own standards. He wasn't saying, now this is the right thing to do. God had said, you know, had taught him what tzedek was and what mishpat was um, and the difference and sometimes the challenges between the two. And Avraham was, it was almost like a child when telling the truth and it, you know, you take your child to Disney World and the child has just become, according to Disney World standards, an adult, you know, going from children's admission to adult admission and you get up to the window and it's just the kid had the birthday the day before and you say, okay, uh, two children's tickets or three children's tickets and two adults and the eldest child pops up, no dad, I'm now an adult and you... On one hand, you think, oh my God, it's going to cost me another, you know, uh, $40. $40 or something. I think the difference between child and is $40. Um, and you want to turn around and say, keep your mouth shut. And the kid says, but you taught me never to lie. And you've been called to account. You, you know, you can say, say, you know, to paraphrase. My son has, has defeated me on the very things that I have taught him or her. Um, and I find that a stirring, stirring moment, stirring moment. The, the second verse I taught, I, I picked out was from Ha'azino, from the other end of the Chumash, um, where Moshe's parting poem, song to the Jewish people with whom he will not accompany into, into uh, the land of Canaan. And he says, Remember the days of yore, learn the lessons of the gener generations that came before you. It's not just enough to remember. You have to learn the lesson. I don't know what the lesson is for every person. People may derive different things, but just remembering makes you into just the, the traditional historian, which is what I am when I'm in the classroom and when I'm writing. But when I get a chance to come to a limud, when I get a chance to talk to, to your listeners, when I get a chance to straddle that academic and that personal, then I look for the lessons in it. Um, and the final one takes me back to what the way I, one of the points I made a few moments ago about being ready. It comes from Gilat Esther. My middle name is Esther, so maybe I was always partial to the story or whatever. Um, but where Mordechai comes to Esther, I think it's in the fourth chapter, and he tells her she has to go to see the king. And she says, I can't, because you go to the king without being called, you know, you'll be killed. And Mordechai has no patience for this kind of thing. She's worried about her own skin when the, all the Jewish people's skin is on the line, heads are on the line. And he says to her, first he says to her, don't imagine that you're going to escape and, and everyone else, that you'll survive. So when this happened to me, um, you know, if I didn't do it, someone else would have had to fight these people. Someone else would have had to take them on. 
So it wasn't me alone as the hero who stood. I was. They approached. They came after me, and I decided I would fight, and knew I had to fight. But but then he goes on to say, "Mi yodea im leit kazot higat lamalchut." And you know who knows if not for this very reason you became queen. Now, being sued by David Irving and by the world's leading Holocaust deniers, and spending five years fighting the lawsuit in the British court is not being queen of anything. But who knows if not for that reason I was given all the chances I was given. So um, you know, I I don't think I would. I I know I wouldn't have said it during the legal battle. Um, which which lasted five to six years and took a heck of a lot out of me. But mi odeim la'it kazot, and and not every student getting a Jewish education is going to give be given the the chance to stand up for their people. I was given that chance, and and um, it was it was uh, it was an honor. It was a privilege. Um, not every person listening to this, not every student you work with, um, will be given the chance to stand up in this way. But they'll do other things. They'll have opportunities to do other things. Things that won't be on the front pages of newspapers, things that won't be written up, things that won't be made into motion pictures, but things that are, are as, if not more, important of, of looking out for others, of reaching out to others, of helping others, uh, of doing chesed and tzedek. Uh, but you got to be ready for the moment. So I think that that's that's the message. That's the message I'd like to give to the listeners. Well, on behalf of Jewish history everywhere and the Jewish people and Jewish education, thank you for your work. And there's a, a reason that your lectures here at Limud are, are so uh, people are flocking to them, uh, and we're glad that you have this opportunity to express yourself uh, outside of the academy, where you've done such important work and such important scholarship but uh, in terms of having a, a broad impact on the on the Jewish world we we thank you for all that and thank we you. look forward to seeing you uh, at a major motion picture <laughs>